You are listening to the Sunnybrook Unscripted Podcast, where we talk real life, answer questions, and take a deeper practical look at the topics we talk about on a Sunday morning. To learn more about Sunnybrook Church, including our Sunday gathering times and opportunities throughout the week, visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org. Welcome to a Sunnybrook Community Church Podcast. My name is Eric. I'm the Family Ministry and High School Ministry Director here at Sunnybrook. And we are excited today. We are joined with Dr. Chinway Williams from Atlanta, Georgia. You may remember her from our scene night in fall. Dr. Williams, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Eric. I'm so excited. I loved your community last fall. I love being with you guys. We were we were so grateful for you coming <laughs> and joining us and spending the night. And, and for those of you who maybe don't know Dr. Williams, would you just share a little bit about who you are, what you do, your family, if you want? And Yes, absolutely. I'll start with my family because I always say that that is my first and primary ministry. So I am a mom. First of all, I'm a wife. Um, Lonnie is my husband. He and I met at the University of Georgia years and years ago. We've been married for 13 years and we've got three kids. Uh, Jalen, who is 19, who's my bonus daughter and who is amazing. She's a sophomore in college right now, Eric, isn't that wild? <laughs> like, it's like, what, what am I doing with a college student, right? Um, and then I have Braden, who's 11, and Noah, who is seven. And professionally, I am a, a clinical mental health therapist. And so basically what that means is I get to walk alongside um, individuals and, and couples and families during uh different life transitions, um, stressful, uh, mostly because transitions can be stressful. And so I help people to sort of manage the stress and sometimes the trauma that comes from just living this thing called life and, and how, and helping them to stay, um, as connected as they can be, um, to each other throughout these different, you know, challenges that they may experience. So, and I started my career as a school counselor. So I, I'm known, um, especially in my community as, sort of the adolescent whisperer. <laughs> so, uh, but my adolescents are like young adults and some of them have families and it's hilarious to kind of get those messages from folks that I counseled like a decade ago. So I love working with young people and I also get to work with a lot of adults. Awesome. And uh, we just loved having you in, here in October and just the the knowledge and the advice and just all that you shared from your book. Um, I just want to let you know, I don't know if we followed up, but it had a tremendous impact in our guests and in our community. And so when we had the opportunity to to sit down with you again, we're like, let's do it. This is awesome. So praise God. Yes. Um, okay. So we grilled you in October and <laughs> you were brave enough to, to spend some time with us goofy people over here at Sunnybrook. Um, and so I've got some questions again for you today. Yeah, um, you kind of touched on it there, uh, talking about what you do in transition and how that's tough, and um, and and so I'm gonna we're gonna have I should have said this at the beginning, but we're gonna have Beth, our kids ministry director, and Sarah, our unlimited coordinator, spend some time with you today too, and those are gonna be two separate podcasts. So if you're listening to this, be sure to look out for um, Beth's um, podcast with with Dr. Williams on kids and Sarah's with um, on special needs kids, um, but you, you touched on this transition and for teens and tweens, middle school and high school transition, it can be big, but also I think in that stage of life, it can even be bigger than life for some mm -hmm. of them. And so along those lines, and as teachers, as small group leaders, as parents, as youth workers in any sense, 
what can we do to help foster resilience in teens, middle school and high schoolers? Yeah, really good question. And it's a big question. And just sort of to, you know, set the the context a little bit um, for what I'm going to share. When I'm talking to families, when I'm talking to teachers, and honestly, also ministry leaders, um, especially in the last few years, what they've noticed is that kids and teenagers have seemed to lose their resilience. They seem to have lost some sense of emotional stability and strength, and I can do life regardless of the challenges. And these are teachers who have been in the classroom for 20 years. So they've got a pretty good, you know, set of data, you know, longitudinal data to to say these things. And I have been a counselor for 18 years and I would actually have to agree. Now, part of that has to do with just the world being wild and chaotic and confusing. And I always say, Eric, that I don't believe that kids and teenagers have changed. Um, I believe that the world has become so much scarier and much more confusing than when we were, you know, young people. So I I, I really want to just kind of set the stage for what I'm going to share by saying that emotional resilience or what we call in seeing grit, the ability to persevere um, through many different obstacles is a skill that our kids need and they've um, seemingly lost that, right? Not their fault. So what can we do as as leaders? What can we do as teachers and ministry um, folks to be able to help them build that? Because it's not something that you're born with. And that's what I tell parents all the time. It's not that your kid has it or they, they don't. It's something that we as adults can absolutely help to cultivate. So what I want to say is, First of all, let's look at the stat by the American um, Pediatric Association that says that 20% of children and adolescents meet the criteria for some sort of mental health challenge. 21%, and we can sort of break that down too with kids and teenagers. Young adults are are, are struggling right now the most, um, but kids as young as five, we're seeing increasing rates of depression and anxiety and even thoughts of suicide. So. What I want to tell leaders is to, just like we pay attention to sort of the physical well-being of our kids, just like we pay attention to the spiritual well-being, especially as folks in in ministry, um, and just as parents, and I'm a parent, I pay attention to academics, right? Like, how are my kids doing in school? Are they learning? Are they connecting with their peers? Are they respecting their teachers? We also need to pay attention to their emotional and their um, psychological well-being. So it seems kind of, you know, odd for some some of us who didn't grow up understanding mental health. But that's what I've been telling parents and leaders is the first thing is to really understand that we are experiencing a strange time with youth mental health. It has reached a crisis point, but we absolutely have a way to help them to build emotional resilience. Let's recognize that depression and anxiety um, is real. And the teens that I talk to and the preteens that I talk to in my office, when their parent or their small group leader dismisses it or denies it, they feel like they have to make it bigger. And we've had these conversations. It's almost like, oh, mom, you don't believe me? I'll show you. I really am. Isn't It's funny, but it's also kind of scary, right? I really am depressed. I'll show you. I'll start self-harming. 
you know, so I encourage parents. Um, it's not that we, you know, make it big and make it be a part of, you know, everyday conversation and our whole it's the center of our family's existence. But when your child is showing signs of struggling, ask them about it, right? If you hear something from the school or if you hear something from their peers, pay attention to it, right? Like our kids need us and it, 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 they need us. And we'll talk a little bit about attachment, but the biggest thing that our kids need is connection with us. So that parent-child relationship, that parent-teen relationship is foundational uh, for building emotional resilience. So it starts with recognizing the signs of distress, you know, um, saying, yes, I see you when they say that they're distressed. And then this is really big for teens and preteens, Eric. I say this to parents all the time. If you hear something wild that comes out of your teenager's mouth, freak out on the inside, but not, you know, not on the outside, because it's important for us to be open, but not reactive, right? Because if our kids, and think about maybe when you were a teenager, Eric, I know for me, when my parents um, started to like have these big reactions over the small things, I felt like I couldn't trust them with the big things. And that's what teenagers are, are telling me. So we want to focus, especially as our kids get older, less on control and more on influence. And the way that we sort of maintain that influence in our kids' life is to um, have the rules, have the expectations, but make sure that the relationship is paramount. So that means when they come to us, we listen, we believe them, we accept that whatever big emotion they're having is valid for them. We may not feel the exact same way given the same set of circumstances, but it's real for them. And then we listen, we try our hardest not to be overly judgmental, and then we help them to problem solve. So I could go on and on, but those are probably the big three for right now. I think that's great. I, and, <laughs> and I think it's it's so true. I love the part, especially when you said just being open, but not reactive. And, yeah. and um because I think that validates what our kids are feeling when you can just hear them and it doesn't feel like you said they have to make it bigger or do I have to make it smaller? Mm -hmm. They reacted big this last time. Did I do something wrong? Maybe I need to just button it up a little bit. And mm -hmm. I don't know. I just thought that was so good. So thank you. Um, yeah. And Eric, don't you see that at working with students that some of the parents that um like not to knock parents at all, because we all are just trying to figure it out. But when kids are constantly on punishment or restriction, that's not, that's not, that doesn't always work. It's not so effective, right? Like, it's like, oh, you're not supposed to do that. That's against our rules. That's against the Bible. You know, um, I'm going to restrict you. I'm going to, you know, give you a consequence. I'm going to punish you. And kids um, start to not share and they don't invite their parents into the, into their world. And that's really what they need from us. They need us to help guide them yeah i i 100 i think even you can hear it in their language sometimes is if they feel like they've been dismissed then they start to dismiss it themselves if you how are you doing oh, I'm, it, eh. mm -hmm. it's no big deal it's mm -hmm. no big deal it's it's not important it doesn't matter right like you, and you can tell something's but it's no big deal it doesn't matter and just in their language they they they've lost that resilience that we're trying to to help build in them so exactly um, speaking of another topic that, that 
is really it's centered around resilience. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are some ways we can walk alongside a student who has lost a loved one? Ooh, that's so big. That's so big. Um, so again, this is the teacher in me, Eric. I'm sure you're like, we only have a few minutes, but I always like to sort of preface um, my my answer by saying that um, every child, every individual is going to experience um, grief and loss in a very unique way. It depends on a lot of things. So very quickly, it depends on their age. It depends on their um, uh, developmental age. So not just, you know, um, numerical age, but just where they are developmentally, because some kids can be more um, immature. If you have a child that has ADHD and she's seven, she's really presenting at at five uh, uh, developmentally. So just something to keep in mind. And if they've experienced loss before, and then this is the big one, the nature of the relationship of the person that they have lost. So those are things that we tend to sort of pay attention to. Of course, if it's a parent and sometimes even a grandparent who has served as a caregiver, that loss is going to be felt so impact impactfully, but it's not going to look the same. You know, every child is going to experience grief um, differently. So it's important to for leaders to recognize that if a child isn't crying, if a child doesn't appear sad, if a child is like, yeah, 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 can I go play with my friends now? Or what's next on the lesson, <laughs> right? Um, or when are we going to do the worship music, right? Like, and you're like, uh, that actually is, you know, normal because every kid is just going to grieve in, in a different way. So what do we do um, to support our kids or teenagers who are grieving? So n- number one, know that they're going to express their pain differently. Some are going to shed tears. Some are going to laugh. Some are going to not want to deal with it. Uh, but here are some handles. Um, give them space to grieve. Let them know that it's okay to be Um, sad. It's okay to not always feel sad. Know that different things are going to trigger different emotions um, and and that's okay. But but this is the biggest thing, Eric. Um, Make sure that the student or, or the kid knows that if they stuff their emotions, it's not going to make them get over it faster. That that's a big one. And that's sometimes something that we as adults and elite and leaders have have to learn. So eventually to be able to come to terms with your loss, you do need to actively face the pain. So at some point you can have that conversation one-on-one, um, especially if you're noticing the kids saying, I'm fine, you know, it's okay, next, what's next, right? Uh, we don't want kids to stuff their pain. And so the other thing is just, you know, helping them to be prepared for painful reminders. We know anniversaries can be really, really hard, um, but also know that these reminders that feel really, really painful can also be an opportunity to connect with their loved one and to say a prayer to to God. So not to avoid it, but to maybe pull out a photo of their loved one and to say, you know, gosh, I really miss you. And so that's what I do in the therapy room, right? We're actively facing the pain, whereas out in the world, they sometimes get the message that, okay, it's time to move on. But if there's a piece of music or if there's a food or a restaurant or sort of an annual activity that the child or the student used to do um, and somebody brings it up like, oh, we're going to Disney. And then they start to look sad. Let's say if you're in a small group situation, 
it's okay to maybe later on pull them to the side and say that this has got to be so hard. And when those things come up, you know, just know that um, you can, you know, maybe think of a, a fun memory from that time and or just let your loved one know through prayer that you miss them. And, and God, I know that you're taking care of them, something like that. So sometimes people think that moving on um, can also mean that they have forgotten about their loved ones. So a leader can also let them know a child who's maybe not showing um, so much emotion after time and they are, you know, happy-go-lucky, engaging in friendship activities. Sometimes kids will tell me they feel guilty about that. So as leaders, you can share with them that moving on or doing fun activities or laughing um, doesn't mean that you didn't love your grandmother or your uncle or your parent, right? And your pain um, is still there, but it's okay to kind of lighten things up and it's okay to move forward. That's good. I think the part you said um, that resonated with me the most is is the, the anniversaries or the memories that remind you and that there can be grieving in that too, but that doesn't have to all be pain. There can be that through the grieving, you can remember the fun, you can remember the mm. good, you can, um, and I think oftentimes this, the moment we feel pain or sadness, we run away, but I think, and my, my wife's been saying this to our, to our foster kids, like, I'm bored, well, there's something right around the corner, and I yeah. just, when you were saying that, I was thinking, in the grief, it's painful, but there, there might be just something right around the corner, if you're willing mm. to, to embrace the loss, you know, there might be a memory that you've forgotten about right around the corner, where, you know, this this still stinks. It still hurts to to miss my grandma, to miss my mom, to miss my friend. But if I can just sit in those the reality of the situation a little long longer than maybe I want to, I think there's something maybe right around the corner. Oh but, yes, that's so beautiful. Yes, the pain is there, but the memories and the love that you shared with this um, loved one is always going to remain. Yeah. Okay, we're running out of time here, and Dr. Williams. Uh, you came and you shared so beautifully from your book, you and Dr. Uh, or um, I guess I don't know. Will is how I know him as. Sorry, Will, if you're, I'm not trying to just pastor Will. Um, and, uh, but you shared so beautifully from you and his book, Scene. Um, and, and you've got some exciting news. You guys have another book coming out. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about what that is and, and um, maybe the heart behind it and why you guys are so excited for it? Absolutely. Thank you for this opportunity. So as you know, Eric, we've been, Will and I have been traveling all over the country for the last couple of years, and we are so honored and privileged to be able to share excerpts uh, from scene and the nuggets from scene. And inevitably, after every talk that we do, even at Sunnybrook, someone will say, several people will say, this is great. Can I give this to my kid? And I'm like, no, 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 Th this is for you. Or let me tell you what has also happened. A teenager will tell us that they purchased the book so they can help their friends who have anxiety or despair. And so we just kept getting um, the message that we needed to, to write a book that is specifically geared towards teens who are wanting to manage all forms of anxiety, social anxiety, panic attacks, um, performance anxiety. So we really talk about generalized anxiety, uh, but we do it in a slightly different way. So this book contains um, research, but it also contains very, you know, 
practical sort of examples from my work as a therapist. And then Will talks to thousands of teenagers across the country. He does assemblies in schools. And so we understand what teenagers say about the difficulty in managing their anxiety. So this book is holistic, Eric. We talk about managing anxiety from a nutritional perspective, from a FOMO perspective, um, from a perspective of um, managing our thought life, managing, you know, what comes up emotionally, we can't help it, but we can stop the spiral. And then this is the part that we're really excited about. After every single section, we address a lie that anxiety tells you, and then we replace it with the truth. And every single section has a part where you can invite God in. And so you can, uh, God wants to help you to reduce anxiety and God's not mad at you because you have anxiety. I'm going to get my hands on that book. <laughs> it sounds great. Well, Dr. Williams, thank you so much um, for joining us today. Thank you for sharing. Um, and if you're listening to this, be sure to be on the lookout for Dr. Williams sharing with, with Beth, um, kind of geared more towards kids birth through fifth, and then sharing also with Sarah in our special needs kiddos. So um, Dr. Williams, thank you so much. Thank you, Eric. This was fun. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org or download the Sunnybrook Church app. And again, thanks for listening to the Sunnybrook Community Church Podcast.